Hi, welcome. I'm Kush Mark and I am the founder and principal of the New School of Nutritional Medicine. And thank you for joining. I just wanted to introduce um, Debbie or Debbie, can you introduce yourself, please, before we share about the new school? Hi, Kush. Hi, everyone. Hey. Um, welcome. Um, I'm Debbie Fisher. I'm one of the uh, coaches and co-founders for Human Wonder, and we work in collaboration with the New School of Nutritional Medicine to um, share with you lots of coaching skills uh, so that you're able to support clients in your nutritional work. So it's a real pleasure to be here with you all today. Thanks, Debbie. So I was just going to say it would be really lovely to hear a bit more about coaching. I'll just give a bit of a brief background as to why, you know, there's so many schools, nutrition schools, different schools of alternative medicine. You know, why, why have we started another school? You know, there's plenty of them out there. And this school is called the New School of Nutritional Medicine. One, it is new. And also its philosophy is quite new. It's the first school that actually integrates nutritional medicine with coaching and that is run over a two-year period part-time course and we are based in London and so it's in person and at the same time we do have students who are online and they might be in Australia, in America, in different parts of the world and we actually are very very passionate about community so I really believe that even learning and learning in group format is so important. And so having run a college previously and also seeing students, the way they learn, the way they build community and also having like-minded people, because actually we end up in an industry which isn't as popular as going into medicine, mainstream medicine. So if somebody says, I'm a doctor, people normally assume, yeah, I know what you do. But when you say, oh, you're a nutritional therapist or a practitioner in nutritional medicine, they kind of think, okay, food, weight loss, you know, they, they don't really understand the depth that we go into as practitioners. So this school has been founded for that very reason, is if I was to study again, where would I go and what would I be looking for? So I'll share a bit more about that once we talk about the, the actual syllabus and the way the course is ran. But what I really wanted to know is also understanding humans because there's so many of us out there practicing nutrition, practicing whatever modality we're practicing, but actually don't really know ourselves or about how humans tick, you know, what makes them tick? How do they connect? How do they work? How do they learn? You know, so many questions that I had is before I actually had coaching myself. So it's a course, a diploma course, a two-year part-time diploma course that integrates nutritional medicine with coaching. Now, some people ask, well, what sort of coaching is it? Is it health coaching, life coaching? What sort of coaching? Now, to be honest, as a practitioner who's been practicing for 23 years, coaching to me, life coaching is the same as health coaching because you can't have health or you, if you don't have your life in order as well. So if you're in a job that you don't like or, you know, you're in a relationship that's really, that you're struggling in. So I see it both ways. One is that life coaching, health coaching, it's all a bit of a gray area, but what it generally means to me is the whole person is understanding the human. So if you don't mind, Debbie, can you share a bit about coaching? What is it, how actually how you got into it as well? That would be really interesting mm -hmm. to know. 
Yeah, sure. Thanks, Fish. I mean, it's really interesting to combine the um, the nutrition with the coaching because what we see uh, with practitioners is that you can have lots of knowledge and lots of theory about a topic, but actually when we're trying to work with clients, what we're trying to do is help them achieve lifestyle changes that they can't make without some support. Because if they could have made those changes, they would have already made those changes. If it was easy, they would have done it already. Mm. So we know that there is something that goes on that is more than just giving people really good advice and really good theory, that is actually the transformational piece about changing your lifestyle. And that is, it's the full works, it's relationships, it's how you work, it's where you work, it's who your social connections are with. And it's mostly about your own mindset and the things that you want to achieve in your life. So coaching comes in to support the theory and the kind of technical knowledge and expertise by helping people to actually understand how to make behavior change, how to have a more positive mindset, how to um, work with clients because we're training um, for people to be practitioners. So they're actually working with real human beings. They're not just kind of libraries of amazing knowledge. They're actually putting that knowledge into practice in the real world. So the coaching piece is really important in actually helping people affect the changes that they want to have in their lives. Mm. And they're very complementary to one another. So both the kind of the nutritional knowledge um, and the coaching are taught in such a way as they are integrated together so that you're really from the very sort of first months of the course, getting into the idea that we're going to be working with clients to figure out what are their goals? What is it they're actually trying to do with this stuff? Whether it's nutritional information, whether it's lifestyle change, whether it's a dietary change, how is it that they need to uh, think differently or experience things differently so that they can begin to uh, make changes that they want to in their life? And I think it's true as well. I mean, you said uh, about the community spirit, it's something that we feel is a real uh, differentiator in this course against others, the connections that people are making, um, working with other people, coaching their peers and, and sharing some of this knowledge and information with each other. It, you know, there's a real kind of community spirit and the whole group is kind of evolving and adapting together. And that seems to be a really powerful factor for everybody who's been participating um, so far on this course. So, I mean, Kush, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, what's made you start this and why is it different? You say that it's kind of like a new school with a slightly new philosophy. Perhaps you could say a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think what you've just said there, Debbie, actually, about the coaching is one is the, the change. OK, so, you know, we've most of us practitioners, we've got clients and they've had, say, for example, they've done their nth gut test or their nth um hair tissue mineral analysis or their oats test whatever test it is and yet how do you go from knowing what your results are and they're right then black and white you know what you need to do and then four weeks later the client comes back and they're saying oh I didn't have time or this happened there there's so many things that happen now initially I think yeah okay I'd used to think okay don't worry you know let's just do that another four weeks let's see what you can do but I didn't really understand actually it's not just about oh they couldn't do it they didn't have the time it's what is behind that and this is very common and I see that with practitioners who are 
also running practices, they get really frustrated by the fact that their clients aren't what they call following through. And I hate the word compliance because compliance reminds me of med- sort of mainstream medicine. Are they compliant? Are they taking the medication? Do they take it in the morning? Do they take it before food on an empty stomach? That is not what I'm talking about here. Here, what I'm talking about is what is actually impacting my clients from making that change. And I, you know, now some of us might say it's willpower. Oh, they're just lazy. They can't be bothered. And, you know, it's way beyond that. And that's why, that's why I looked into coaching because having been coached myself, I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I used to think, and I'll be really honest, I used to think coaching was this rah, 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 walking on coals and forgive me, Debbie, because I know it's not that anymore. But I just thought I didn't really understand it. And what I've heard um, David say as well, who's part of human wonder as well and is is my partner he was saying um you know coaching really is about understanding humans so as and what is nutrition you know when I look at nutritional medicine I thought of course you know everybody knows that we are what we eat okay that's one part you eat junk your body's going to produce junk but also it's not just about you know we are what we eat but we are also what we think what we live what we surround ourselves with and Generally, when I trained in nutritional medicine, it was all about food and it was all about biochemical pathways. It's all about what to do, what not to do, what to avoid. And it was a bit kind of should, the shoulds and the woulds and the coulds. And and it just felt a bit rigid. And I'm not one of those people. So if I go and see a nutritional therapist, I personally would want to be understood. I'd want to be heard because I feel like if, if I'm understood, if I'm heard, I would be more likely to make those changes. But if I'm stressed and if my kids are stressing me out or if my work is stressing me out, I'm not going to think, okay, I'll just sit down, mindfully eat my food, make sure I've got all three food groups. You know, it's there's something else deeper than that. So that was the re that was one of the reasons for starting the new school is actually integrating, as you said, the coaching with the um the nutritional medicine. The other thing that I'm really absolutely passionate about is, you know, research. So one is nutritional medicine from year to year is just growing and new research is coming out, especially since the um, the COVID era. Since then, a lot more research has come out about autoimmune conditions, about the role of neuroplasticity in health and disease. And that's an area that I think we as nutritional therapists, you know, practitioners of nutritional medicine do not really look into. And yet what's fascinating is that the the neuroscience behind coaching is now being proven. So all the tools that you're teaching at the school, the techniques, they are being proven yet later on, you know, coaching and all these tools have been used over the years. But now suddenly, post-COVID, all that is coming to light and being proven scientifically, which I love because, you know, sometimes we, I do, that's my personality, I want the proof, I want the science, um, but it doesn't mean it doesn't work or it's, it, maybe we don't have the tools yet to show that. So that was the other reason is actually tied in so beautifully that the research that's coming out now, I was listening uh, yesterday to... Um, uh, a podcast and I was reading a paper on um, neuroplasticity and how um, 
one of the coaching techniques what you know where the whole mindfulness and how that impacts neuroplasticity and lays that pathway down and i think to myself that's actually really important in behavioral change you know and can you add to that debbie you know just that whole thing when clients come and you've done the whole work you've gone through their tests you've spent the time behind the closed doors going through their gut tests and working out what program to put together for them and then four weeks later they come back and they've not made the change and they and you understand the thing okay I haven't had time family's been over it's been the summer holidays but what is behind that you know as a coach what where do you go with that yeah absolutely it's a kind of combination between the 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 world outside of us that we are living in so obviously our family units the the kind of places we eat the times of day we eat all of those sorts of things are kind of conditioning and programming us to to operate in a certain kind of way and the human brain is you know it's a bit lazy it quite likes shortcuts so it will do anything it can do to try and make things easy for us so that our energies don't have to go into thinking about that sort of thing. So we tend to operate on a series of habits. And unless we actually pause and think about, you know, what is, you know, how is that habit serving me now and the kind of person I want to become, we just operate on autopilot a lot of the time. So our exterior environment, our family units and the places and the ways in which we eat, even our kind of cultural norms, can really play a big part in why we keep on doing what we've always done. But that's only part of the picture. So there's this kind of exterior world, but there's also this interior world as well, where we obviously like to do things on autopilot as much of the time as we can, because it helps our brains to be really effective and efficient. But actually, unless we stop and question, what is it that I actually want now? And how do I manage to change from a pattern of behavior, which has probably been building up since I was a very young child and choose something else and then find those ways to actually stop doing things that I maybe don't think are so helpful to me now and introduce new ways of doing things, then it's actually really hard for us to change and begin to do the rewiring that our, our brains need us to do to lay down new and better habits that are gonna help us to achieve our health goals. So part of uh, the coaching process is not just about understanding what the kind of outside environment is from our world, but also what's going on inside us. What are the things that are almost implicit and underlying assumptions about the way that we function in the world? So we might do things like um, questioning what are our core beliefs around food? What are our choices and habits that we have that are those kind of autopilot programs that we need to just catch and acknowledge and then make intentional choices about so that we can do something different. And then how do we get the support that we need to make those changes as well? It can be very, very difficult for people to make a lifestyle change if their environment is kind of helping them to stay the way that they always were. So coaching kind of kicks in with that question about what is it you're going to need to do? How are you going to stay resilient and keep your goals at the forefront, even when other people are resisting the changes that you want to make? Or how do you bring those people along with you to make sure that you get the support that you need to, to implement a new way of being, a new, a new diet or a new way of approaching food that is going to be taking you in that direction that you want to go in? 
So it's a lot more complicated than just knowing what the right answer yeah. is. It's actually about how do you implement those changes in your life? Yeah. So what's you were saying about research, Kush, what are, what are, what's one of the big bits of research that's come out recently? Because I know you and I know that you love to keep an eye on the, kind of the latest stuff that's kind of coming out. What kind of things are you hearing at the moment that's getting you excited? You know, we were laughing yesterday about um, my son was working till uh, midnight and I was waiting up for him but I wasn't waiting up I was so busy reading and researching and one of the biggest things that I'm really so so what happened a couple of about a year ago I had a client that came to see me and she's incredibly sensitive to um, lots of things so uh, like she can't walk through a mall because if she smells the perfumes she'll actually come out in hives She's um, super, so many things and her actually health deteriorated from going away and living in Singapore for one year. Now, nothing against Singapore, by the way, but she went to Singapore and Singapore is an incredibly humid place. And she also um, had then realized that where she was living was very moldy, did a test. You know, she's with another practitioner, found out she had mold issues. She's got mycotoxins in her system. But what was really interesting was what, what allowed her to get better was using actually some of the tools to allow her to think that she's not, when she walks to a, in, through a mall, when she's actually at home, that the whole beliefs, belief that she's got mold, she's got mycotoxins, she's got histamine reactions. Once she started working on that mindset, she can walk through a mall and not react. She doesn't come out in hives anymore. She can actually go on holiday. She went back to Singapore before when she was in Singapore. And she said if she would go back, she'd think of that whole, okay, what if this happens? What if this happens? And it was all what ifs. She went to Singapore, didn't actually, she said initially when she could sort of the humidity and she started talking to herself. It sounds weird, but it was using all these coaching techniques. And it's actually, she's working with a, um, a practitioner who does coaching alongside what and I'd it'd encourage her to go and see a coach because I thought it's a mindset it's the fact that she was the fear was actually feeding that whole cycle of her immune system then reacting to the what she was thinking about and what's fascinating is um and this has been known before even COVID but there's a, a researcher called Robert Navio and we've got a blog on the new school nutritional website called the cell danger response and Robert Navio found that the cell, when the body heals, the cell goes through this cycle. Okay, the mitochondria goes through this healing cycle. And, um, and if you don't go through the whole cycle, you get stuck in this healing cycle. And what he found was, so with the mitochondria, the mitochondria, these like little organs, um, or what they're known as organelles, and they produce energy, which is ATP, our currency of energy. Now, this energy producing powerhouse is not just we when I was you know university and quite a lot of schools still teach you that the mitochondria are the powerhouses of our cells and they produce ATP but they also regulate this they sense danger so that danger can be anything from an infection like mold from chemical toxins that you might put on your skin from you know medications that you might be taking through to your your thoughts Okay, and those thoughts may not be just thoughts here, but they could be, you know, we've got the heart mind, we've got the gut mind, we've got the mind is everywhere. So not just talking only about the brain when we come to the mind, but 
then so what he basically showed that some people when they go through this when they can't complete the cell danger response they get stuck in their healing process so they could end up with chronic fatigue syndrome with like these uh, what we call mast cell activation syndrome all these chronic conditions autoimmune conditions and what he then showed that if you've got a a cell or cycles that are stuck now because once you have an infection imagine getting a flu you know once you've got a flu what what are the symptoms we're generally in bed can't move got a temperature feeling lethargic bones might be feeling like they're aching or they're breaking and that is the body slowing us down to so we can heal so you produce less atp the mitochondria are they they've they've picked up they've sensed this danger which is an infection which is a virus and then eventually you go through the whole cycle and you your body heals. You come out the other end. Week later, two weeks later, depending on your vitality, back up, doing your thing. Now, what he's shown is that once you get stuck in that danger, you, you can't move forward to healing. And those danger responses can be a whole plethora of things. And one of them is this, the stuff that happens between our ears. And then he did a whole some research on children that um, are diagnosed as being autistic. And what he used was a, a drug, which is actually quite a, quite a heavy going toxic drug um, called suramin, which is a, a used for parasites in India. And he, he, was, um, he treated these children with a, an IV injection of this medication. And once they had this medication, the children started to make eye contact and started to talk. They were not making eye contact. They were not talking. And this is all in his research. It's You can find videos online. Robert Navio, we've got a, a blog, Cell Danger Response, on the web, school website. And what this drug was doing was basically that once the mitochondria are in danger, that when they produce ATP, it's supposed to stay in the mitochondria, but it comes out of the mitochondria into the cell and it should not be there so when you've got it outside that's 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 danger in inverted commas and so this particular drug suramin actually blocks the receptors for atp in other words atp has to go and bind somewhere it's like the key in the keyhole the atp is the key the keyhole is the receptor and what he did was suramin is actually puts another key into the keyhole so the the real key can't get in now and by blocking these ATP receptors, these kids were suddenly better. Now, what, what that doesn't address is the original danger. So it works on the, the further downstream, but it's not looking at upstream. What, you know, how do we address that danger? What is that danger? And that is one of the, and I think that's going to really escalate and blow up in the future, especially in medicine traditional medicine, which I think is going to take quite a long time um, to arrive at the doctor's doorstep. But in nutritional medicine, I think it's really quite important moving forward. And that's where the coaching to me is really important because what is danger? What do, what do I see myself as danger compared to, say, somebody else? So for example, you, Debbie, we might be in the same situation and I might be absolutely fine and you might be sweating buckets because you're feeling, you know, you're not safe. So that's really very important in nutritional medicine at the new school is the individual, which is part of the whole, you know, we, we, we're sometimes not in, not necessarily in every case, but 
you know, your client, when the client comes to see you, the, the trust is huge. You know, the fact that they, as soon as they walk in the door, the session starts, you don't even have to talk. The session starts because you're already in that environment together. And do they feel safe? You know, and then like you're saying about mindset, what's created that mindset in the first place? You know, and I think allowing people to understand themselves or in itself can be healing. You know, you we don't need all these tests and supplements. And I do get clients, sometimes I might be the sixth practitioner that they're seeing, same tests, same programs, same foods, everything, and yet they're not getting better. And that's not for me for me to address because it's not a nutrition thing. That's more, a, from, from my perspective, more a coaching thing. Yeah. And I don't know, does that make sense? Do you, you know, because especially from, you know, I wouldn't know if somebody comes in and they sit down in the first few minutes, whether that, what would it be? Would they, would I, you know, use more coaching or nutritional therapy? And yet this is hopefully, this is where the students will be integrating both together. But how do you know what, you know, sort of when you talk to a client, what sort of tools you're going to use? Is it, you get to know yeah, what they it, it's completely a case of listening and really tuning into what the client is bringing in that session um and it can be such i mean we're we're fantastically complex human beings and our lives and our um our minds can be really complicated places so um as the coach you you tend to sit and just tune in uh, you know what is this person sending off to me in terms of signals both in the words that they say and the situations they describe but also in what they're not saying and what their kind of general yeah. vibe is because sometimes you know people will come along and they'll be saying one thing but you get a real kind of sensation and intuition that something else is going on and so actually you know for from the coaching point of view it is about really tuning in really hearing what that person is is saying and not saying and then going, okay, and how can I help this person to, um, to be able to be clear, to be able to articulate what they're experiencing and what help they want and what their goal is? Because ultimately, you know, we want to help people to facilitate their own health. We don't want for them to be needing to rely on us to have all the answers or yeah. for, for them to keep on coming back to us um, every week for, for years on end to support them. We want to help people feel empowered to go and make changes in their life. So, you know, a lot of it is about going, OK, yes, there are amazing tools and techniques that we do teach in terms of coaching skills. But the very first step is about really listening, really um, getting that rapport with the client and letting them feel safe. Um, and I loved what you were saying about the cell danger response, because, you know, that is like um, an example of something that happens on a micro level, but could be going on on a bigger level, a macro level as well. And, you know, we do grow up in these environments that, uh, you know, we can feel threatened and sometimes um, even, you know, brilliant upbringings will still have some elements of traumatic experiences or stressful events where, you know, our bodies just begin to kind of freeze up and not cope so well. So sometimes, you know, the, the behaviours we exhibit later on in life are actually, they have roots in something that's happened when we're much younger. And so helping create that kind of feeling of safety, helping to be able to explore and understand what's really going on for people can be transformational in helping people to understand what changes they need yeah. to make to be able to move towards their future. 
So I really love hearing about this kind of new research that's coming out about this. And I'm sure we're going to be hearing huge amounts more about that as well. I'm wondering if, um, you know, you, you said that sometimes the health service takes a long time to, to pick up on some of this new stuff. Um, if there was one thing that you could really let people know about now, you know, that would help people now and we don't have to wait for the health service to kind of catch up on it. What's what's some sort of key things that you would love to let people know about? You know, I mean, it sounds so basic, right? But just one of the things, most important things is sleeping, going to sleep. And I just think with the tech that we have now, mobile phones, um, computers, you know, this whole artificial light, it's it's really impacting our well-being. And I try to encourage my clients that the fir first thing they do when they wake up, even be even if they're not wanting to get out of bed and get that bright, you know, sun is shining, get the light on them, is actually just lie in bed and think of three things that they're actually grateful for. And it doesn't have to be big. It could be the fact that they've woken up and they're still breathing, you know, especially the ones who are chronically ill, but just three things to be grateful for because it can set you up for the day. And also, you know, our we've got all these amazing you know I love the fact that you said like for example you know as a coach you being a coach you believe that the human being has the answers mm -hmm. that what you are doing is just drawing out the answers from them and as a nutritional therapist we and a holistic one we we're the same we believe that they their body knows how to heal you give it the right nutrients the right environment be it physical be it sleep and it's so simple you know it's so simple but the body then knows because we can throw all for example magnesium is a very popular mineral supplement and I've got clients who take magnesium and actually react exactly the opposite. They feel anxious. They can't sleep. They feel jittery. So it very much is about and that's very a big part of, you know, what we teach at the new school of you know, nutritional medicine is biochemical individuality. Each person is an individual. But if you think about it. It's it's given to calm the nervous system generally so people can sleep. But actually, we're still not looking at why that person isn't falling asleep. It's not necessarily a lack of magnesium. It's actually very rare that clients take magnesium and they sleep really well. It's again, going behind what is it? What are their routine behaviors before they go to sleep? Are they switching off the lights? Are they, you know, mobile screens off at least an hour before they go to bed? And that can make a big difference. And I've had clients say, wow, now, now that I, ca I can't believe it can have such a big impact actually going to sleep on time and in the morning not just suddenly switching on your emails or your mobile phone and then already that can also impact your again because it's perception perception that I'm not safe or that email has made them feel um, a bit stressed and that will impact what we call something called which we'll do at another time we'll do it I'll do in another podcast is a cortisol awakening response in the morning you want to wake up and feel rested but also not start whilst you're still lying in bed with all these messages so sleep just sleep wake up in the morning don't switch on your phone until you've got up you've you know got ready you've had time to just be and you know maybe even have a, a cup of a herbal tea or something so yeah I mean I don't know whether that's you know I know there's also I've got a couple of colleagues who are sleep coaches you know, it's amazing how many areas, different areas of life that coaching can sort of spread into. But, you know, to, and their speciality is in sleep. 
and how can they get their clients to go to sleep because some people just don't feel that they can't they can't fall asleep or they fall asleep and they keep waking up several times in the night so I mean it's like you know there's so much now especially I think more so post-covid and more so now in the 21st century everybody always thinks oh yeah I'm stressed and then they're competing oh no I'm more stressed than you oh no no I'm more stressed than you like as if it's a competition but it's sort of like thrown around that word now stress and I think instead of stress why don't we try and use another word because people just say yeah I'm stressed but what is it really you know and that's where I think again you know that's why I love the the, some of the questions that you guys teach you know to the students about um, asking really important questions not just questions for the sake of asking questions but questions that actually are meaningful and and for me I mean for people listening on the podcast is what is stress what is stress to you you know where do you feel it where do you experience it you know what happens when you feel stress rather than just because this word is banded around now Mm -hmm. so but I don't know Debbie have you seen a difference as well since COVID you know in your in your world work of coaching and the world of coaching yeah I think so I think people are beginning to I mean COVID invited people to think again about the way that they were living their lives I think so many people did this shift from you know traveling into work every day and then coming home late and you know maybe giving the children a kiss good night if you're lucky that type of stuff and when we were all locked down though it was very challenging for a lot of people there were some upsides to it. And I think people got closer to their families, not in every situation, but I think now that people have gone back to normal life, to some extent at least, there is this kind of like, uh, people are not so willing to compromise on that time. They want to keep the the good bits about uh, spending more time with their families, doing those lovely walks that we did with our dogs during the during those days when we weren't allowed to talk to anybody else, remember that? Um, and, and things like prioritizing sleep rather than catching a six o'clock train in the morning and that type of stuff. So I think there has been a bit of a shift for people to a more balanced approach to life. Mm. And I think that is very healthy. And um, I'm sure that it hasn't been easy for everyone. And I'm sure there will be people who have gone immediately back to the way things used to be. But a lot of the people that we get uh, coming through for coaching are saying how do I make this new kind of compromise work for me how can I have the best of all of these different parts of my life where's the balance Um, and a lot of people are wanting to make changes more permanently that you know they don't actually want to stay in the jobs that they have done previously and are wanting to do something that feels like it's more meaningful for them Um, and obviously you know in the work that we're doing around the new school of nutritional medicine people are attracted to the idea of helping other people, whether that's family and friends or whether it's actually paying clients in the long run. Um, so these people are, are keen to make an impact, a, a kind of meaningful difference for other people in their lives. So, um, and we're seeing lots of people going, okay, now how do I make this transition from the career that I used to do into a career where I feel like it's maybe a bit more impactful in a direct way with, a, with another individual? Um, And I think that there are lots of ways to make that happen as well. And it might sound like it is an impossible dream scenario, but actually it it isn't. But it does require some planning and a bit of um, sort of calming yourself down from your enthusiasm and thinking through how would I transition to that new way of doing things. Um, But it's absolutely possible. And we're seeing that many of our students are making those shifts in their own lives and and are out there supporting clients now. Yeah. So, um, 
So I was going to say it's interesting you said it because of sometimes it's that making that decision, you know, because it seems so overwhelming and such a big decision. Because people say, well, how, you know, how did you train? How did you do? Because my background, you know, is, I was in a laboratory, and so looking under, you know, looking at microscope slides. I mean, I loved it while I was doing my PhD. But I think once I finished that and discovered the work of Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez, as like I used to, I remember when I discovered him and we didn't have Google in those days or anything, but I do remember search engine. I think it was Ask Jeeves or something, something oh, really yes. old, showing my age now. But I do remember his name popped up and I thought, oh my gosh, vitamin C and pancreatic cancer. And these were published articles in scientific papers. And I was thinking, okay, you know, just got to finish my PhD, write up the thesis, because that was such hard work, seven days a week. And because I was growing cell lines, I had to go in at weekends. Sometimes I'd have to go in late at night. And it was literally four hours of blood, sweat and tears. And, um, and I remember thinking, I want to study nutrition. You know, I want to study nutrition. I had friends saying, you must be bonkers. You've just finished your PhD. You know, you're finishing your PhD. Finish that and go and, you know, go into lecturing or teachers going, no, 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 I want to go and study nutrition. This is not what I want to do. But it was like, how do you do it? And I used to, and I was watching this course. I saw that I found this course in Bridgeport in um, uh, Connecticut. I'm living in London. How am I going to do this course in Bridgeport in Connecticut when I'm living in London? There's nothing, no webinars, nothing, no online schools. And this is back in 20, so it's 2000, 20, probably 1998 when I found it. And I, kept, I always kept looking at it. And I, you know, I didn't have a vision board or anything. And then what? As soon as I started my postdoc, my husband gets offered a position in New York to start an office in New York. And I'm thinking, let's go. He said, are you sure? I said, yeah, let's go. And that was it did the course at Bridgeport you know the master's in clinical nutrition but but while I was doing it I was also working in a laboratory in New York while I was paying for the course it wasn't just suddenly a big jump and then it was a big jump afterwards but that took a lot of um I, I don't know I think my biggest thing was fear and we've and even with the students now in our first year which you and uh, the team at Human Wonder have done so brilliantly is actually going through you know understanding yourself first so the first year is, is really about the students understanding themselves. And it's all about the inner coaching. Who are you? What are your blocks? You know, what's your story? You know, what's got you here? And how are you going to achieve those goals? Because most people start the school because they want to become 20, 21st century practitioners in nutritional medicine and coaching. And although we've got that excitement that vision just like you said it's how do they get there so in year one I mean the nutritional medicine speaks for itself because a lot of people are familiar some people follow me on, on social media and a lot of people are very familiar with functional medicine nutritional medicine so they kind of know what they're going to get the difference is also what we've done is with the nutrition as we teach the nutrition we're actually integrating the tests into the teaching we don't wait until we've learned a particular system and then we bring in the test we bring in the test as we're doing the learning and the teaching because it's the way to it's the way to learn and it's the way to then practice it as you're learning so that by the time the two years they've completed the two years not only have they gone through you know they've got a diploma which is kind of okay that that's hopefully a given but actually they've gone through a process you know, a, a process of them developing, growing and, and kind of looking at things like, you know, as Amy calls them, part of the human monitor team, those aha moments, like thinking, 
oh, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know that everybody thought like that or so-and-so saw something in a particular way. Because for me, just think, hey, go and do your, you know, go and study, get your diploma, go and practice. What's wrong? Just go and practice, you know, but that's my my personality. But, you know, there are people say, but I've never been self-employed. I don't know what it will be like. You know, how do I get clients? And that's the beauties because what I've seen, the difference with the students now just finishing year one, some of them have already got clients. You know, and of course, we encourage supervision because you're not if you're doing supplements and testing. But that just shows it's it's actually the inner work, because to be honest, the nutritional medicine I've taught before in a similar style. But this time around, it's what the coaching is, the underpinning with the coaching. And then in year two, I can't imagine because in year two, you know, in year one, coaching is 25 percent. But in year two, they get 50 percent of the curriculum is coaching. And that's because we're looking at the business side of it. So it's not just about being a practitioner, but it's also about building a business, you know, and some people think, oh, my gosh, I'm not a business person. I'm the same. I'm not a business person. But I think if you know what you're passionate about and you can follow your bliss, that's where I leave all of it to you guys in coaching side to actually get to that point. Um, is how do you then build your practice? Um, and also, Debbie, you know, you've you've made a big change as well. You know, you probably see those. How do you, you know, make that big step from being employed, being an employee to being self-employed? And sometimes the word self-employment just for some people, that, you know, and other people like myself, it's freedom. You know, it's freedom. It's not having to do that nine to five. You know, you can work your hours, but at the same time, you earn money, you pay the bills. And that's the other thing that I'm really passionate about at the school is I don't I don't want people to then say, oh, it was nice having a diploma. And now, you know, uh, thank you and bye bye. This is like diploma is just part of it. It's actually going out and practicing because we'll share this in another podcast, you know, we've got so many nutritional therapists out there, but are they practicing? Not a lot of them. Two years time after graduating, a lot of people actually stop practicing. So um, part of the, the what we're planning on doing together with the Human Wonder Team is actually the postgraduate support. So ongoing development. So from the coaching side, as well as the nutritional medicine side. So um. So I'm really excited. But, you know, can you just share, Debbie, your journey, how you've gone from being employed to self-employed? And I think um, then we've shared quite a lot, haven't we, today? So we have. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll just briefly describe it. So um, uh, back in 2017, uh, I was uh, working in the NHS and, you know, in a very stable, um, quite comfortable job and just it just didn't feel like it was the right thing for me to be doing anymore. Um, you know, it was a, I wasn't miserable in it but I was just frustrated with the idea that it didn't feel like I was really fulfilling my potential and and my kind of core purpose in life um so I made the decision to leave and retrain as a coach um which just was the most transformative period of my whole life because it uh it just changed how I saw things and how uh, I held relationships with my children um how I was able to just uh, hold space for other people um, and really help other people acting as a facilitator really for other people to transform mm -hmm. um, and I just think it's a it's a real privilege the reason that I coach and I'm so passionate about this this work is that I believe that a lot of people carry um, baggage and carry angst in their lives but they also know that they have the potential to do something even more purposeful even more meaningful in their lives that somehow or another we get in our own way 
sometimes that is our kind of baggage from our childhood sometimes or even you know just just odd behaviors that we might have picked up along the way not even that it's a bad childhood necessarily but that sometimes we kind of arrive into our adult years knowing that we are capable of something more but we're not quite sure how to to go and achieve those things so I mean that's why I love coaching so much is that it's it's a real space for self-reflection self-discovery understanding what it is that is really truly important to us Mm-hmm. And allowing ourselves to get back to that kind of authentic version of who we really are on the inside yeah. without all of that kind of, you know, that ego stuff and that kind of protection that we build up through our lives. Um, and then when we get sort of to a place in our lives where we are in a good place, it's so much easier to help other people with their journey, whether that's health, whether that's relationships, whether that's, you know, sleep or money or whatever. It's actually about, you know, the better you are in terms of looking after yourself and cleaning up your own internal stuff, Mm. the better you can help clients with their stuff too. So, you know, we work a lot with the students on the course to to do that kind of inner work, that reflection, that where am I, what's coming up for me? Because sometimes you might be in a coaching conversation with someone and something will come up in the conversation and you suddenly find yourself reacting. And, you know, we, we might describe that as a trigger Um, And it's like, well, what's that about? You know, what has happened in that conversation that has meant that I have suddenly found this reaction in my body? And how do I use that to both process whatever that's, you know, happening for me, but also make sure that I'm still serving the client in the best way that they need to. So, you know, all of that work kind of comes together quite nicely um, in this space. Um, And I just personally see it as a massively humbling privilege to be able to help other people move forward in their lives now Um, and I'm not saying that those changes are easy to make yeah uh, because I said at the beginning you know if they were easy to make people would have done it already Um, but this is that stuff where you know it can be a bit sticky can be a bit tricky to make changes so uh, so I love to be on that journey with people as they as they decide where they want to go in their life brilliant yeah really I mean it's been wonderful chatting Thank you so much. I think, um, and if people want more information, they can go to uh, the website, www.newschoolofnutrition.com. And David, uh, Debbie, David and Amy are the founders of Human Wonder. And Debbie, can you give me the website? Yeah, we are at humanwonder.com. So that's human-wonder.com. So if you want to um, look into Human Wonder or want to have a chat with Debbie or booking with Debbie. So I hope that you've, you know, this podcast was just to really introduce the new school to everybody. So to give you an idea, we'll be sharing more podcasts, doing more podcasts and bringing in guest speakers. So um, stay tuned and um, hit the like button and share with your friends and family. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.